Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Olivia Martinez, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez. And today we're gonna to be discussing Nomadland, finally. This movie is getting all the Oscar buzz, all the awards buzz in general, and it's really something special. It stars Frances McDormand, and it's directed by Chloe Zhao, who also wrote it and edited it and produced it, so she is just racking up the awards this season. Yes, and we actually saw this at the movies, which is different than most of the films we've been reviewing over the past year. I thought it was a truly unique film, and unique is overused, but it wasn't like anything I've ever seen before. Yeah, that's a good point. This movie really doesn't have much of a plot, you know? I think, Mom, the past few weeks, you've been asking me, you know, what is Nomadland about? Why is it getting all this buzz? And I would always say, I don't know. I just know Frances McDormand's like the only actress in it, and she kind of is. Who's the other... His name is David Strathern. Yes, they're the only two actual actors in this movie. Everyone else is a real person who is playing themselves. I mean, they have the same name as who they actually are, and it's just a very weird, because it's not a documentary at all. I would say it's the closest movie I've seen to a documentary. It is. It, it really is. I think walking that fine line between documentary and theatrical film. Yeah, it easily could have been a documentary, but I think that Frances McDormand's performance is kind of what made the movie so special. Yes, and also the reason it seems so real life is precisely for the reason you said, the, the people are real, but that doesn't always translate. Sometimes people, they don't seem like they're acting, it's because they're not, and that's why there's such a, it is a line, they, they go on one side of the line and the other, and uh, it's about people who are nomads, modern nomads, people who don't have a home, per se. And Oscar, you and I had a conversation a little while ago about whether or not the film was about a way of life that's developing because these people are hitting the road either because of financial reasons or just they want to explore the country, whether it's about that way of life or whether it's actually about this person who has adopted that way of life because it follows her story and I don't know that her story could be applied to any of the other characters you see. She is a very unusual person. That's why it's a movie and not a documentary. Because, yeah, you're following the singular character. And I think every nomad or person living this lifestyle has a different experience and has a different reason why they have become a nomad. So, yeah. It is a lifestyle, though. I think it really, the iconoclast or the outsider, whatever you want to call it, it's interesting when they, these people get together and they find like-minded souls, and yet the, it's all about being an individual. And it certainly has a lot to say about the rugged individualism of Americans and their need to not conform to any one society or any one uh, type of thinking. And you see that on the, on the screen, for sure. Just as this film stands out as being about people who don't care really what other people think about them and they live by their own standards and that live a lifestyle that most people would not choose to live but aren't bothered by the fact that other people don't want to be there with them. In that same way, I think this film is very non-judgmental in general. And that more than anything else I came away with thinking, well, the filmmaker has done something that I haven't seen before. She's made me realize that I sometimes crave the 
input of the writer, director, mm-hmm. as far as telling me what I should think. I really came away literally saying, what should I think about these characters? What do you think the writer, director meant us to feel when we watched Fern and these other people? Were we supposed to feel sorry for her? Or were we supposed to be jealous of her? Or were we supposed to be disgusted by her? The filmmaker really leaves that completely up to the viewer. And so it's unusual in that way. It is very non-judgmental and and kind of goes with the flow, just like the people on screen go with the flow. That's such a good point. And I think a very important thing in the beginning of the movie, Fern says she's houseless, not homeless. And I think that's how the nomads interpret with their way of life, that they have a home because they've built it in their vans or their tents or whatever, but they don't have technically a house. And that's a reoccurring conversation, kind of. On the other hand, when you have to poop in a bucket, something has gone horribly wrong in your mm-hmm. life. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a not the greatest scene or not the most appealing scene. No, or when she's cleaning a dirty bathroom oh, yeah. stall. Public a, toilet. Yeah, public That's toilet. That's vile. It's so disgusting. It's disgusting. And on that point, we should talk about her work because that is the... Not the majority of the movie, but it takes up about a third of it. Just her doing these random jobs. And a fun fact is they actually made Frances McDormand do these jobs. She worked in Amazon for a few weeks. She worked at, it's not a coal mine, but it's something like that. She's working with rocks. She does a lot of manual labor. She works at a national park at one point at the Badlands, which looks very pretty, actually. Looks really strange. I mean, the rock formations, I don't think I'd ever, never been to South Dakota or North Dakota, so I had never really seen that kind of landscape. Yeah, it was cool, but all that to say, she works a lot of random little jobs for short periods of time, and it seems like she has a routine, like she does this every year, because we watched a full year of Fern's life in Nomadland, and yeah, it just seems like she works at Amazon in December. She works wherever in February. She works at that burger place. Didn't you say it's kind of like the Bucky's of the Wall Midwest? Drug, yes. Of, yeah, Wall Drug. Of the Dakotas, it's a famous uh, institution up there. So yeah, she's just working all these jobs. And I wonder if anyone recognized her as she was doing it. I'm sure they did. And I'm sure that they just, the director told them to play it cool, which all of the extras did. Everyone in this movie was just so good. <laughs> right. Well, and also you mentioned at Christmas. It's not exactly a Christmas movie, but it starts off where she's singing some holiday songs and it's Christmas time. And as you mentioned, yeah, you see the whole year, but you also see how lonely she is. But like Em, you mentioned, it's not judgy. She doesn't seem terribly affected by it, but she is alone for much of the time. I came away thinking that she had a very sad life, really, for somebody who didn't want to be tied to the responsibilities other people work into their lives. She was really, I think, controlled more by her jobs and by need for money and to move on to the next job. I I think in a lot of ways she was more controlled by her work life than a lot of people who are settled and are able to have time to really enjoy themselves outside work. Really, she didn't seem to have much quality of life other than the time she spent with the other people in these camps, these nomad camps. And even then, a lot of the time she was alone in her van. And that is just revolutionary filmmaking because 
we were talking about this at lunch and you would expect her to have some crazy retirement fund that she's just gonna spend all this money on her van and all this stuff. But no, she doesn't have any money. She doesn't have any savings. So she does have to continue to work. Maybe it would have been a more entertaining film if we didn't have to see her doing these jobs, but it wouldn't have been as impactful maybe. One thing about her also is she didn't have children. And I think a lot of the people in this nomad circle either don't have children or have lost touch with their children. And it reminds you of the importance of family. I think anybody out there young who is thinking of not having kids, I would encourage you to see this movie because if you're toward the end of your life and you don't have a spouse, or even if you do have a spouse, and you don't have children, there's just a loneliness that I think comes into your life, whether you want to or not, if you don't have somebody younger who is looking out for you. And some people can deal with that, obviously. And I think the nomads seem to have a pretty positive outlook on all of that, but yeah, definitely, that's tough. And speaking on that, actually, Fern at one point, I don't know if y'all really noticed this, but when she talks to that younger guy, probably 18, 19 years old, he's kind of like Alexander Supertramp. Do yes. you want to talk about that for a yes, second? Yes, the movie Into the Wild a few years ago about this young guy graduates from college and just doesn't see the need for society and, and rejects it and goes off into the wilderness and doesn't end well for him. But this is him at the age of 40, 50, maybe even 60 and above where... There's certain people who just have that that approach to organi organizations that, in this case, the organization is society that they reject entirely. But that's a real good point about her working. You would think, oh, nomad equals lazy. She was anything but lazy. She worked so much and was constantly working. And there's that constant thing you hear about in Europe. They they work to live, but Americans live to work. Mm. And she kind of did both, you know? I mean, she was really tied to that. And, and you wonder if she'd have her choice, if she would have worked. I think she would have kept working because that's kept her busy, right? Yeah, yeah, she says at one point, I like to work because they recommend maybe she should take an early retirement. And she's like, first of all, I can't do that. And second of all, I enjoy working. And it's kind of funny that she literally works for the man. She works for Amazon. Like that is the most corporate America ever, but she's working there to provide for herself you would expect her to just work at these like hippy dippy shops and all that but no shout out to my former elementary school classmate jeff bezos oh yes your best friend wherever you are brother and sorry but to rewind back to my point really fast fern is talking to this younger guy and she says don't you think your parents miss you or don't you think that your you have a girlfriend back home who misses you and it's so weird how she realizes this way of life is probably not meant for the younger generation or maybe she just feels like she has absolutely no one who cares about her or misses her. So yeah, it's just kind of a weird thing where she's being kind of maternal to this kid while not even realizing the same things for herself. I don't know. And I like the fact that you brought up Into the Wild as a comparison because I think some people have criticized that film, even though it's, it's one so of our good. favorites, as glamorizing the life of this kid because it is a true story about this kid who is as Oscar said, ends badly. And so in that way, I mean, it's a, sad, it's a sad story, but it has inspired other young people to kind of take off on their own and explore the world. This may be seen as the anti into the wild because these are people who are at the end of their life. They really have no choice other than to be on the road on their own. And it's not nearly as fun and it just does not seem like a fun adventure. It seems like a 
almost like a drudgery. I don't, and maybe, and maybe I was viewing it wrong. There may be other people who see this movie and think, oh, that looks wonderful. But I did not see very many happy people on in this movie. I saw a lot of contentment, in my opinion, at least. It seems like people were very content with their lives and they were excited to see a new river or a new... That's true, actually. That Yeah, that monologue... Oh, uh, by Swanky? By Swanky, where she talks Swanky's about the, the things she's seen that she thought she'd be happy with her life ending because so she had moving. seen these. And yeah, there that that's pretty amazing. She had allowed herself to slow down her life enough to really appreciate those moments. And that's I, I think that is the good side of this kind of lifestyle. I shouldn't shouldn't put it down in, in too strong a term. You're not. You're just from your own perspective, you probably would not want to live this lifestyle. But some people probably yeah, you're right, would gravitate toward it after seeing what, this. What I mentioned earlier too about individualism, it's also a study in identity. So many people, they identify with their jobs, and their jobs are them. So when they lose their jobs, they lose part of their identity. That's one of those things where she's very self-aware. You know, there's that one scene where she says, I, I think I spent most of my life remembering. Remembering what? Things that she can't change. And yet she doesn't seem sad about it. She just recognizes now she's actually doing something. She's traveling. She's going from place to place and working where, when and where she needs to. So she has come into grips with who she is, right, at some level. And at some level, we all have to, you know, whether you, whether you know it or not. And probably I think one of the most important lessons of the film is that we should all open our ears or our eyes to people who are different than we are, who maybe have a story to tell us. I mean, most of the people in this film are not the kind that middle-class Americans would sit down and have a conversation with and yet some of them have some really good stories that they want to share and probably we would all be enriched by hearing from people who otherwise society just kind of ignores that's perfectly stated and something else that this movie does we just keep talking about all the different things in this movie but it doesn't have, like, for the end of the movie, it's not like Fern's goal to get to California or get to Oregon. She's just kind of going all over the place. And that was super interesting not to have an end goal and also not to have a murder mystery or, like, some maybe someone robbed her and she There's has to get no back. There's forced drama. There's literally nothing there and it's just her. And that's just the magic of the direction and the acting in it because... Your eyes are glued to the screen for an hour and 30 minutes. Speaking of, that's a good runtime. It was not too long at all. I think that every scene was necessary in the movie, even though they were all kind of small and in the long run, maybe insignificant to other films. In this movie, all the scenes were very significant and, yeah, necessary. Yeah, it packed a lot in into the, the, the time that it, that it came across. Also, the it was I think it did make a difference seeing it on the big screen, don't you think? That it was more, especially some of the, some of the locales they went to. It was very impressive seeing it on the big screen, the Badlands or the desert or the Redwoods or wherever. There's really magnificent scenery that they had. And did you want to mention the music? Because I think that set the scene in a really, really powerful way. Yeah, the score is brilliant. And it was just used so well and so sparingly. Right, it was a very quiet movie. There wasn't music just to kind of fill out a scene. It was used. It fit the atmosphere perfectly. Yeah, it was really well done. And yeah, some of those landscape shots on the big screen with the score booming was just amazing. Maybe booming's not the right word. Maybe the score floating or something. It was just a very well thought out, well made movie. I really recommend. 
it is the kind of movie that, again, not everybody's going to like. It's very slow, and the people are not terribly appealing in some ways. But I do think it's, I think most people, if they give it the time, would really get something out of it and would be kind of surprised that there are people out there like this. And I think they would realize that, yeah, this is not Hollywood drama. This is real, real people in real life. And on that note, let's get to Frances McDormand talk for a minute. Do you think anyone else could have played this role? I think there are a few other actresses who probably could have pulled it off, but certainly nobody could have done it any better. She did a fantastic job. She did. And it's hard to know because like how much of it was acting and how much was it of it was actually her because she's a weird case where I think that, well, actually it's not that weird of a case, but I think she's just grown more and more tired and disgusted by Hollywood and all of that. So she's become more and more secluded and maybe more normal in a sense. And in this, it just seemed like literal normal Frances McDormand doing an interview or her Oscar speech a few years ago. Remember when she was a little crazy after she won? <laughs> I would be real curious, and I should have done this before the podcast, but I'd be real curious to read how this was filmed because I like to know whether or not the filmmaker was just kind of following her around for months on end, filming and filming with the idea that she was going to get scenes that were completely natural I mean, I don't know that she saw things happen. I mean, I, I wonder if it was the sort of thing where Frances McDormand worked in Amazon for three months and then came back and acted just like she had acted in Amazon or whether she was being filmed working in Amazon and the filmmaker went back and took out and made a movie out of parts that she had filmed that had really happened in real time. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not sure. I would guess that it was, they just filmed a bunch of stuff of her. And what's interesting is actually Frances McDormand had the rights to the book that this is based on, and she actually got Chloe Zhao on the project. So it was always going to be Frances as the lead. They just needed to figure out who was going to be the writer, director, editor, producer, all that stuff too. Dad, you won't be surprised to hear this, but Chloe Zhao says that she was very, very inspired by Terrence Malick's style of filmmaking. Yeah, it seemed very Terrence Malick-like, very, very atmospheric and uh, very, um, I want to say slow pace, but it takes its time to get to, to get to where it needs to get to. It did, but at the same time, I feel like the editing was a lot sharper and faster. It really, it got to the point at least. And Terrence Malick films, I mean, whether a fan or not, his movies are very slow and a lot of beautiful imagery, but it takes a lot longer to get to the point. And sometimes there doesn't even seem to be a point, but that's okay. That's okay. This movie definitely had a point and we have different interpretations on it, but that's okay too. And I think that's what makes it so special. Well, one other thing I'd like to point out that it was not sentimental at all. And that's why the filmmaker deserves a lot of credit. It would have been easy, easy, easy to show the, the husband that she lost in a flashback and they're having this great time or they're at their wedding or something crazy. And yet she has all those memories. They, didn't, they show them, they come across in a sad way, but not in that visual way that you might expect from a lesser film. That and a lesser actor. Yeah, it has to explain everything. You just saw it on her face. You saw the life that she lived. And I thought that's always to the credit as a filmmaker where they could have easily, and also in narration, it would have been easy to be in, oh, oh we were yeah. trying to explain this art, this uh, character's motivation and we can't explain it, so let's get some narration in there. There was none of that. It was all what you saw is what you got. And I think that's 
that does what you were saying earlier, Em, it leaves it up to the audience. You decide, uh, and even then, you're not necessarily right or wrong, whatever you decide, just like they're not right or wrong to pursue what they're doing. Yeah, the lack of narration was powerful. And when we first started the movie, I was thinking, oh no, there are not going to be many words. But there's a lot of dialogue in the movie, even though it doesn't always move the plot along or anything like that. There's a lot of talking, so don't be scared of that or anything. And Dad, you had a good point about Francis's character's name, Fern. Oh, yes. The fern is a plant that usually just sits there. I have a question for you. What plant doesn't? Venus flytrap. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that that, <laughs> that distinguishes the fern from other plants, that it just sits there. Once I had time to think back on that. It sounded profound <laughs> in the <I> silence. <laughs> that's what I actually, that's a good point. Why did I think that was good too? It is kind of funny, though, because Frances McDormand, her character, she's the only one who has a different name. Everyone else in the movie, it, the actress's name is Swanky. Well, they're playing themselves. Well, they're playing themselves, so they have their own name. And even David, what? Strayern. Yeah, even him, his name was Dave in the movie. So she could have easily been Fran, but I guess she was Fern, so she could represent a plant that doesn't move. <laughs> oh. well, what, and something that makes her kind of an unusual character too is that she is offered options she financially she's not in the best shape but she has a sister who cares about her who wants her to stay with her and she has um, a, a boyfriend along the way who invites her to stay with his boyfriend family. kind of he well, wants to be her friend yeah and so in other words people would like to have her with them. It's not that nobody cares about her, but she is choosing to to be on her own on the road. She is. And on that note, do you guys want to get to our ratings of the movie? Sure. How many vans are we going to give it? It's a good one. I'll give this movie 4.25 vans. I thought that it was a very, very well-made movie. I've never seen anything like it. There really wasn't anything wrong with it. But it's just not the kind of movie I'm going to watch every day. You know, I have deep, deep respect for it, and I want to see it again at some point. But, you know, not my favorite ever. I'd give it a... I was trying to decide between a 4 and a 4.5, but I think I'll go with a 4.5. Because even though it's definitely not the kind of movie I want to see over and over, um, we are the first to complain about Oscar bait. And I think a lot of people would see this movie and hear about it and think, oh, that's just Oscar bait, made, made to win awards. But I really think it was made because the filmmakers wanted to do something different. And I think they did achieve that goal of telling a different kind of story about different kind of people in a different kind of way. And I think that makes it stand out from other experimental films and films that just aren't compelling. Yeah, every time Chloe Zhao seems to win an award, she seems really shocked because I don't think this movie was meant to get all this awards talk. And I think it may be because it came out during the time of COVID and there are not as many great movies to compete against it. But yeah. I'd give it a four and a half as well. Four and a half white bands because however you feel about the people you're seeing on the screen, you got to show respect for their choices in life and this is how they're they're choosing to live their lives and so many people now especially in this instagram world where everybody wants to look the same and everybody wants the same goals of making money and being famous it's refreshing in a way that there's some people who just want to get on with their lives and not be a bother to anyone 
but just do their own thing and um, not causing any trouble and just, you know, I always think of like people with tattoos, right? If everybody has a tattoo, how can you, how can you stand out, right? And they're not doing it for that reason. They're not doing it for the attention. They're doing it because something inside of them makes them do it. So, and like you said, and there's, those are people you don't really encounter too often in everyday life and you certainly don't see them on the screen. And then the fact that they're real people up there, uh, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, a pretty a good testament to the, the skill of the filmmaker. Also, just one more point. I do have a feeling this is going to be a very influential film because it comes along at a time when reality TV and and reality in terms of documentaries are more popular than ever. And this does seem to kind of bridge that gap between reality and documentary and scripted movies. And I just wonder if this is going to be used more, this style is going to be used more and more by filmmakers who try to go out there and, and find real people and use them to tell a story that's made, that's already kind of mapped out. I'm sure it will be influential, but I don't know if anyone can do it as well as this movie does it. But I guess we'll see, and Strange Level will probably review those movies at some point too. I think I'll change my rating to a 4.5 also so that we can have a unanimous 4.5. And onto awards talk really fast. I don't know, do you think this movie's gonna win anything big? I mean, it's predicted to win all the big... It's predicted to win Best Picture, Best Director. It seems to be on a roll, so it... I think it has a really good chance to win. But then again, I can imagine a lot of people not liking it and finding something else that's a little bit more glitzy to vote for. Yeah, it'll be a tough one. And Frances McDormand, she's already won two Academy Awards. And if she only had one, I, she would definitely win an Oscar for this. But it'll be pretty tough to get Academy voters to vote for her again that would put her in daniel day lewis territory and as good as she was and i thought she was great there actually have been a couple of other performances this year by women that i think i was more impressed by uh carrie mulligan and vanessa kirby yeah Yeah. so i strangely enough again if she won it she'd deserve it but i kind of think the other women may deserve it even more it would be just kind of funny if she did win again just because she is just the anti-hollywood nowadays and she would probably show up in a sweatsuit or something or they'll probably have Oscars on Zoom, so ugh, whatever. She'll be on mute for her acceptance speech. Probably. Another remarkable thing about this movie is Chloe Zhao is now the most awarded person during an award cycle ever because she is a writer, director, editor, and producer. And I mean, so many awards still have not happened. You know, the SAGs haven't happened, Oscars haven't happened, Independent Spirit Awards haven't happened, just all these things. So she's just going to rack them up, and it's wild. Sometimes if you peak so early, though, in the award season, then by the time the Oscars get around, people kind of seem to have turned against you. But I think I think she'll do fine. That's probably true. But even without the Oscars, she would still have broken records. And I think that'll wrap up our conversation on Nomadland. This was a very, very different kind of movie that we actually enjoyed a lot and we recommend you seeing. It's on Hulu, so you can watch it in the comfort of your home. But we'd recommend maybe watching it on the biggest screen you have because it is very pretty. The cinematography is great. The score is amazing. The acting is good. Everything about it is just excellent. So watch Nomadland. And we really didn't spoil anything because if we're being honest, there's not much to spoil because not much happens in the movie. And that's okay. Movies can be like that sometimes. So follow us on Instagram at strangelovemoviespod and we'll see y'all next time. And final words, as Chris Christopherson once wrote and sang, um, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Ooh, it's a good way to end it. Bye, guys. <laughs>